The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is June 12th. We are going to be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers facing an identity crisis. We're going to go over some Buck stuff. We're going to talk potentially if they should be involved in a Portland Trailblazers deal involving Anthony Simons and the number three pick. Also, Charles Lee goes to the Celtics. Should we care? And I'm going to probably do like a weekend recap. I don't know exactly the title. It's not going to be like of my weekend, although there is a tidbit in there about my weekend. But it's just like three things that I that happened over the weekend that I want to talk about that aren't maybe a full segment story, but something worth worth talking about, worth having a discussion. So we're going to workshop a title as as it goes on. If you have one, that's where you can drop it on social media. It's having the keg on Twitter. It's having the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Overcast, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, and if you already are subscribed, you know what I like you to do. I either want you to leave a rating or review, which no, no one ever listens. Maybe I should do this like halfway through the show. Um, no one ever does it. So that I challenge one person, just one, to leave a rating and review or drop it in the group chat. Share out what you're doing. I will say shout out to JP, my one of my new friends uh, that I met over the weekend. Uh, he plays video games with Mitch. Uh, was one of the nicest guys uh, that I've met in recent memory. Uh, was a gear snow tap guy. I said, yeah, and bought me a beer and everything else. And we talked about Packers a little bit. It was great, man. And so shout out to JP. Uh, we'll, I, I don't know if I'll say it's dedicated to him because it was a non-Packers show. We, we're going to do Packers tomorrow. I have a good Packers topic uh, to kick us off. And I was actually going to lead Monday's show with it, but then the Brewers get swept. And so we got to talk about that. So, and that's a little bit of how the sausage is made. All right, let's get into the uh, topic. And yes, shouts to JP. Thank you for listening. Sorry I couldn't buy a beer. Uh, they left too early that I couldn't reciprocate and uh, buy him a Miller Lite. So next time he's in Milwaukee, uh, Miller Lights are on me. The Milwaukee Brewers uh, have nothing on them right now. The Milwaukee Brewers, if you were uh, betting on the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend, you got your clock cleaned out. Uh, the A's have been free money and water has found its level. Uh, the Oakland A's have swept the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Oakland A's have won five straight ba- baseball games. They're playing good baseball. I wouldn't go as far to say the Brewers ran into a buzzsaw. The Brewers fucked around and found out. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers started off slow on Friday night, uh, Adrian Hauser blew up early, but the Brewers were able to kind of maintain it. Uh, it was 5-2. to two. It, it seemed like they were in striking distance where they could have potentially come back. They couldn't come back in that game. They lose 5-2. to two. Then they were only able to muster up one run on a pinch hit home run by William Wilson. Control, William, I do that at least once a month. So that's my, that's my penance there. Uh, pinch hit home run. And it's a 1-1 game, and the Brewers lose in the 10th inning. They give up a run right away. And then on Sunday, it was kind of start off strong. You know, the Brewers, if they jump out to an early lead, usually that's good for them. Freddie Peralta, again, had that one bad inning, which has haunted Freddie all season. Uh, the Brewers go down 4-2, to two, and they they claw back. They get I think they got to 4-3, to three, right? And then they give up another home run. And it's 5-3 to three from Bryce Wilson, who's continuing to kind of look like Pittsburgh Bryce Wilson. And then Peter Strzelecki blows up. And had he not blown up, the Brewers might have walked that game off. And I think we're having a different conversation today. Even if the Brewers walked it off, it's like, hey, there's momentum. At least they got one. Uh, you'd look at it as a 3-3 three and three homestand. But instead, it's a 2-4 and four homestand with three of those losses coming to the Oakland Athletics. 
and not the Baltimore Orioles, who Baltimore Orioles are one of the better teams in baseball. The Brewers somehow beat them twice, and then they lose three straight to the Oakland Athletics. When I say the Brewers have an identity crisis, I don't think the Brewers know what they, they are right now. I don't think the Brewers know if they are a contending baseball team or if they're kind of middling and they're pretenders and they're sort of masquerading as a real baseball team. Like that they they aren't, they are just a 500 team. They play in a uh, easy division-ish and they're getting fat on some of that. And I, and I know that there have been a lot of commentary about, hey, don't just say the NL Central blows, don't just say this, that, and the other. But it, it's hard not to look at the Brewers right now with being three games up, three games over 500, and not see a team that might be a bit, bit of smoke and mirrors. Now, the, the argument's pretty easy that this team's still, you know, playing with a second tier roster that not everybody not everybody's there from a pitching staff perspective but it's hard to say with the hitters right like Bryce Trang's down for a reason he's working on a swing so you have Monastero up you have John Singleton still up you have guys that are up there that can be productive uh they they right now do not have to me like a lineup that's that screams like okay yeah it's it's a bunch of big leaguers but it's guys that should be producing Willie Adamas is not producing. Christian Yelich, not really producing. He had a decent game today, a home run, had a single. Rye Telez has been awful for a month. And we talked a little bit about Rowdy, I think on my last solo show on Thursday. And like that, those are bad signs. Those are not good signs for the Brewers. Brian Anderson, also another guy who's not necessarily uh, getting production. He's making good contact, but it's it's not ending up in out in uh, runs or hits. And so I think you look at the Brewers right now and you have to take a long look at the hitting coach. Now, we're so, hitting coaches that is, that we're so easy to blame, we're so easy to make a case that the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, that, that you blame somebody, you're like, this guy deserves to be fired and all this other shit. I don't necessarily think Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson need to be fired. Uh, the Brewers have co-hitting coaches. But I do think we need to kind of look at what they're doing right now. Uh, Dave, this tag team, old school, new school type of thing. Is there some clashing? Are these guys thinking about it? Because Timmons is telling him one thing and Dawson's telling him the other thing. The players seem like they're hanging out more with Dawson. Is that true? Do they relate with Dawson? I almost wonder if it's not working. And because they're hearing different things, they're thinking too much at the plate. And, you know, Brian Anderson's at the plate thinking, well, I'm going to do what Connor told me. And then he's also thinking, well, what about what Ozzy told me? That's a little different. Like, and they're tying themselves up because you have to solve this. Like, this is something you have to figure out. Like, maybe you are just, this is who you are. And you have to go through these stretches of bad offensive performance and they will come and go. And I thought the Cincinnati series woke up the bats. I mean, they had a great game against Baltimore where they scored 10 runs and then they added to it early on in that game and Brash just shut them down the rest of the way. I don't know if they win that game is is this weekend any different? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, who's to say, right? I, it certainly could have been. It, it, it's possible. But I, I really look at the approach of the Brewers and I, I just wonder like what is that thing 
that's causing them to kind of shut down when they get runs scored against them because it doesn't seem like they're built to come back. They've not had a lot of comeback wins this year. I think the team last year was really good at comeback wins or the year prior, but this year it has been a far cry. They do not come back. If they're if they're down, they are down. They're down for the count. And that's really frustrating as a fan because it feels like if it's like, okay, we're down. We're, we're probably losing this baseball game. And that's not a great feeling. That's not what you want. And I think that that is something to do with just overthinking at the plate. And, and so when I say like, that they have this identity crisis, it might be us as fans that have the identity crisis, that they are they were pretenders all along. They, this was not the team that we thought it was going to be. And that they are they are not, not what maybe we had hoped for when the hot start happened. Now, losing Garrett Mitchell was a massive loss. And who, who knows what this team looks like with Garrett Mitchell? You don't have Tyrone Taylor. That's another big bummer offensively. But I still don't see the product. Like Tyrone Taylor was on this roster for, what, a month? He really didn't do much. So I, I don't think you can use Tyrone Taylor as an excuse. Luis Urias has been terrible since coming up. And whatever's going on there is not great. And Luis Urias needs to figure it out, point blank. And if Luis Urias can't figure it out, well, then I, I, you have to start exploring other options. And I, the Castigura thing gets hit in the ground. Now, I know he's hurt, but you got to potentially explore that. And I know he doesn't play the same position as Urias, but I think the larger macro point of this is you need to find guys who are producing offensively. And if you can't find those guys, like, all right, maybe maybe you're not this team. Maybe you're not a playoff team. Maybe you should stop pretending and pull the Band-Aid off and be sellers. Now, I've heard some things. there. I think there might be some rumors that will swirl. I do not know if I'm at liberty to talk about them. So I, I hate doing this. I hate, hate doing this. But there are some thoughts that they might be sellers and have heard it from a source. And anyways, I, I won't go any further just because I don't know if I have clearance to talk about it. If I do, I will share tomorrow. But it's a really tough sell to the fan base because you've already kind of shit down their throat last year with the hater trade, even though as we went over it, I think a couple weeks ago, I, I have talked about how I really think the hater trade worked out for everybody. I think the Padres got what they want. I think the Brewers got what they want, you know, in Gasser, who seems legit, uh, William Contreras, who's been very good for this team. And let's let's be clear, Asteri Ruiz has been, he's an arguably AL Rookie of the Year candidate. He might make the All-Star team. Like, it, it would have been great to have Asteri on the team, but I think Contreras is more valuable. They had, they had no one at catcher. Jefferson Quiro is two or three years away. I mean, you're not, Quiro wasn't ready to play to not tomorrow. If he was, then yeah, we could lament that we got rid of Ruiz, but you have to sometimes give something, you have to give things to get things, okay? So that, that should be understood with the Ruiz part of it. But back to the selling mentality and this attitude, it, it would be a, it would just, I think it would be a death sentence to the casual fan. I think the casual fan would be like, I'm fucking out. I can't trust this team. This team did exactly what they did last year. And could you sell and try to still win the division? Maybe, but the message that is sent is such a terrible one. It, and, and like, I think us baseball people, when it, you know some of the people who are listening to this who understand baseball and get it, will, will understand. And they will, they will recognize that 
there is an opportunity here to know like, yeah, this might not be that great of a baseball team. Sell while, you know, the iron's hot, you know, pump up these guys and get the most value because you know that the July deadline is going to lead to more desperation than you have in the middle of winter. Because I do think at the end of winter, the Brewers are probably going to sell off Corbin Burns, a Willie Adamas potentially, a Brandon Woodruff. They're, they're going to probably do that, right? I, I would love if they could extend one of those guys, but I'm just living in reality. I'm not living in fantasy land where people are commenting, extend Adamas, extend Burns, all this bullshit. You guys got to understand, we're in the EPL days of baseball. Until a salary cap is put in place, we are not going to do a lot of long-term extensions. And I still believe that part of the thing is, is they're holding out money for Jackson Trio. I don't know that, but I, that's something I truly believe that he's going to get an Acuna, Acuna-like deal or a, a Julio Rodriguez-like deal. And their Corbin Carroll, I think, signed one uh, before he got up. Like I think that's the type of thing the Brewers are going to do with Trio and probably leave some money to spend with guys like Quiro, guys like Tyler Black, some of the other younger guys. I, I do think that the Brewers are a year or two away from being like the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I think that is on the table for them. So that's, I, that's part of this identity crisis. It's like, all right, if you're not that good, then why, why contend? Why fight for a postseason? Why, why try? Can you still buy and sell at the same time? I, I, I think in a way you can, because I think if you say, okay, let's not say the big names, let's just say a Julio Tehran or a Colin Wright, and you can sell Tehran, Tehran, Ter- yeah, Tehran, yeah, I think I got it right. Uh, and you can sell that, right? Like this guy was, a, I think, an all-star for Atlanta or damn near close to one. And Matt Arnold's, you know, on the phones being like, yeah, Julio's back, man. Like this is... This is what Julio used to be. Like, you should get in on Julio. And I could easily see the Brewers trying to pull that off, maybe a younger AAA pitcher or another bullpen arm, and you flip that for a quality bat, likely at third base. Because that, to me, is the glaring spot with the urea struggles, right? You put Anderson in right, unless Blake Perkins becomes a guy. If Blake Perkins... Becomes a guy, which I don't think we're there yet. He had a productive day. Yeah, he made the last out, but he had two hits. Uh, and he's he's looked he's looked more comfortable at the plate after getting sent down the last time. Like, if Blake Perkins can be an everyday right fielder, then yeah, Brian Anderson's third base and you solve Urias' struggles. Then you don't really have to worry too much about Urias and you have a set lineup. Maybe he goes in against lefties because Rowdy doesn't. You push Miller to first base. And then Urias is your second baseman. Maybe that's that's what it is. But you need to see a little bit more from Blake Perkins before you you sell on that. Before you're like, yeah, that's it. So maybe the option is, all right, deal Tehran, deal you know a reliever in AAA or something like that or Double A, and you get a high quality hitter because there are teams who need starting pitching, and there are te- teams who would sell themselves on that idea, who maybe have an overflow at outfielder and overflow at third base or. I don't think first base is really an option with Singleton and Telez and Miller. But, you know, I, I just look at that as a needed opportunity for the Brewers. And so maybe that's the pathway through because you're going to have Wade Miley back next week, it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like probably I wouldn't be surprised if he pitches, you know, that Friday or Saturday game in Pittsburgh because I think he pitched Friday or Saturday, or I think Saturday uh, this week. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Wade Miley back. So then it's like, who, who's the odd man out? It's probably Colin Ray at this point. 
Uh, Eric Lauer, I think, is going to have to stay. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with Eric Lauer. I, I think Eric Lauer is a bullpen guy. So then who's, again, again who's the odd man out? It's probably Tyson Miller, who just got called up. But then, there, yeah, there needs to be two. So who, who's the other guy? I don't know. And that's where I think this week you could see the Brewers making a move and trying to get a bat, you know, that could help help this offense and help move the offense forward. The other reason why, you know, maybe the Brewers should not necessarily sell, but not go all, not, well, we already talked about why they won't, shouldn't go all in. Like I, the Brewers definitely shouldn't go all in here. Like I know the NL Central is, or the NL Central is bad. I know the NL is not that great, right? Uh, you know, it's it's there. You can make the case that it's there for the taking. But that said, like, I, I think the Brewers, if they were to stay put, not make any significant moves, that'd probably be okay because of what we discussed, that guys could be on the move in the winter, um, that you still could fight and get another postseason crown, and I think that would be good. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting to another postseason like there there is 0.0 wrong with that but yeah you're right now about six games out from the Diamondbacks and Braves who hold the top spot in the NL in the NL and yeah it's a little bit of a mountain to climb but it's not to say if you didn't get have a hot month that you couldn't make it into something so I do wonder you know if the Brewers would would try to make a slight push because the Craig Council angle is is real, man. Like Craig Council does not have a deal after this year. Craig Council just saw his youngest kid graduate, or no, he has another. He has a daughter actually at Whitefish Bay, so they're not empty nesters. But Craig Council probably wants to wants to watch his kids play college baseball. That was, that was written by Tyler Kepner in an article in April. One plays in one plays in Notre Dame, one plays in Minnesota. I forget which one, which is which. But they don't play in the same school. It's not like Council can go down to Indiana and watch both play at Notre Dame, you know. And he obviously has a daughter at home, so there's a lot to manage, right? And you know, what if his wife's out supporting the kids and he needs to be at home, keeping an eye on the daughter? You know, maybe there's more of a family, a familial aspect needed for Craig Council, and maybe that means a move up to the front office, you know, where he's working with with Matt Arnold, but you know, someone else is managing the team. And this might be his last hurrah. And if that's the case, then yeah, you you fight to try to get to another playoffs and you try to see if maybe you could make some noise in the postseason. Ask the Miami Heat or the Florida Panthers about just getting in. What? Yes, they're not probably gonna win either the NBA or the Stanley Cup Finals. They're both down 3-1, but still they got there. That's still fucking awesome. I think we would take that as Brewer fans getting to the World Series. Even if we couldn't win it, it would break our hearts. But at, at least we would have that experience, right? So I really, I really look at it as this team is probably trying to still find themselves. They're 19 and 26 since getting beat by the Red Sox on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And that's, that's not a great record. That's pretty ominous, right? That tells you that there's work to be done here. That the Brewers need to get on a hot streak. And it seems like every time they, they have a chance, they they tip over the boat. Like, even if they won just the game. Like, even if they just won Friday, right? I could probably get on here and sell you to the fact that the Brewers then, what would that be? So, if let's say they won Friday, they won 8 of 11, then they lose Saturday, Sunday. 
So that would be eight and 12. We're doing math. We're doing fun math here. Eight and five in your last 13. It's not great. And the, the two losses would sting, but it's, it's still positive momentum. You're still pushing in a positive direction. But now everything's off the rails. You've lost four straight games. You All the goodwill you had at the start of the week, after the Cincinnati series, after the Baltimore series, that has all been flushed down the fucking toilet. And this was what we saw last year. This is, it, it seems like we're playing out the same year where you fucked around and find out against bad teams. You would get a little bit of momentum and then the momentum would come crashing down. You could never seem to sustain it. And that's my worry right now. That they, we are just living in a repeatable year and the Brewers didn't do enough to solve the problems of last year. And is that a fault of Matt Arnold? No, not really. I mean, you could, you could argue it. Injury, like if Brandon Woodruff's healthy the whole year, are, is the same, are the same things happening? Probably not. If Gary uh, Mitchell's out there, is, are, the, are the same shit happening? Maybe not. Like, those are two significant injuries to the Milwaukee Brewers. That cannot be understated. Overstated? Yeah, whatever it may be. You can't, like, can't put a price on that. You have to at least acknowledge that when the discourse of the Milwaukee Brewers, okay? I do think, though, that you there needs to be a... But that, that can't excuse everything. That can't just... They can't be like, well... We didn't have Woodruff, we didn't have, have Mitchell. Injuries happen for every fucking team. Every team's going through injuries, right? So we can't just use that as a fail-safe. So we'll see what happens here in the next week. Uh, the Brewers play the Twins tomorrow night uh, in Minnesota for two, and we'll preview that series tomorrow. And then they head home to, for a big series against Pittsburgh. And then a, I would say not as big because Pittsburgh's right there in the division, but then you play... They play the Arizona Dimebacks, and that's a great measuring stick weekend. And you play that young, talented Dimebacks team, and can you beat that team? And can you kind of make a statement? We'll have to see. But we're going to learn a lot about the Milwaukee Brewers from now until July 4th. And I think after that, hopefully we'll have a clear picture, but maybe it'll still be muddy like it is today. Moving on to some Milwaukee Bucks stuff. Uh, we have a couple of different little Bucks tidbits. Uh, let's start with the trade rumors um, that are swirling a, a little bit. I mean, Kevin O'Connor was pretty dialed in uh, of the ringer, reported that the Portland Trailblazers are likely going to shop the number three pick and Anthony Simons and try to get a compadre with Damian Lillard. It's very interesting. Um, this is not the direction that I would go if I were the Portland Trailblazers. But I think, as we talked about a little bit on Tapping the Keg on Friday, that they are kind of in an identity crisis themselves. Like, this is Identity Crisis Monday. I think we all have identity crisis sometimes at work, too. We're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, what is my actual job? Uh, but, but in all seriousness, with Portland, you know, you have a owner who she doesn't want to give up the team. Uh, but she said she was going to sell. But now she's like, ah, it's kind of like, eh, maybe not. It's like me. I'm in this like NL Dynasty League uh, for baseball. And I've been trying to trade Paul Goldschmidt for the last week. And I actually got a good offer tonight. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, do I really want to do it? Is that good enough? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It's a wild, wild league. A very competitive. Very everyone that I feel like is smarter than me. So I think that's part of the problem. Where I'm like, ah, is that, am I getting the wool pulled over my eyes or not? But anyway, uh, you guys don't care about that. Uh, no one cares about your fa- fantasy team. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are yeah deciding to stick with what's working and trying to get you know into that conversation as a top tier team in the Western Conference. Instead of resetting with trading Dame Lillard, getting that contract off the books, and sort of starting the new generation of the Portland Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are obviously not ready to do that. Why? I don't really know. My only like initial thought is that they're worried that if Dame, Dame leaves, the fan base leaves. And they're worried that they don't have a fan base that would understand. And that ticket sales would plummet. And maybe you know the NBA would start looking at picking off the Blazers. Although the Blazers are one of the more established you know, NBA franchises. I'd be shocked if that were the case, but maybe that's how the ownership front office is looking at it. So they're, they're saying, all right, we're gonna trade Simons, very talented player, and our number three pick, and that's what's gonna deliver the number two for Dame Lillard. Now insert the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks have Chris Middleton, they have Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday has a pretty affordable contract that you could get in with Lillard's contract. Right, he has two years, seventy million ish, left on his deal. Uh, that would be a very intriguing option, I think, for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, is it enough to get the deal done? Just Drew Holiday and for Simons and the number three pick? I, I don't know. Uh, NBA deals tend to be a little more complicated than that. Um, my guy Shafty on Twitter, you can follow him, Shafty Bro. Uh, shout out to him. He puts together some wild trade machine things. He's had some really good ones where it sends, you know, the Bucks a couple different guys, but it ends with Simons and either number three pick or a first round pick coming back and gives the Bucks a, a ton of flexibility, a ton of ability to, you know, sort of start this new generation of the Milwaukee Bucks with guys like Simons, Bochamp, whatever you would do with that third pick, whether it would be Scoot or Brandon, Brandon Miller. And, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, and Chris Middleton in, in, in somewhat of his twilight years, and maybe Brooke Lopez. That's a very intriguing option, I think, if you're a Bucks fan and if you're John Horse, because this gives you an opportunity to get a top flight player that you wouldn't get at a rookie deal or be involved in a deal similar to what we just talked about with the Hater deal, or not the Hater deal, the Contreras deal, excuse me, which was a Sean Murphy deal, where... The Bucks could be a player in it and somehow end up with like the 23rd pick or the 20th pick or something like that where they are at least in the mix so they could work their way and get a first round pick and get another you know cheaper talent that they don't currently have and a younger talent that they desperately need on their roster who could help them day one. So get another you know Marjan Bochamp type, if you will. So I just think the Bucks need to be definitely involved with this deal and they need to have conversations. And I think a guy like Simons, awesome shooter, very talented player, uh, I think he could be a vital asset to what the Bucks wanna do. Now, would the Bucks need to find a point guard? Yeah, they would. That would be the number one goal of the, of the, the offseason. Does that mean Chris Paul? Does all of a sudden Chris Paul come in the mix? I don't know. Um, but that's, that is the one, one caveat. I'm not 
ready to just push all my chips out on Drew Holiday. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. I think there are some fans who are, and that's weird. And we, we discussed this a lot on Friday. I just think Drew is our best option. This goes back to what I, I said about the, the Ruiz-Contreras thing. Like, to get good players, you have to give. Like, you can't just assume that everybody's just going to lay down and let you get what you want. There are still dumb GMs, I think, in the NBA, but they're a lot less dumb than they were, you know, 10 years ago, even five years ago. Uh, and so that that part of it is interesting. And look, there are some scary other options out there. The absolute nightmare is Boston. Boston saying, all right, we're going to trade Jalen Brown. The Portland Trailblazers selling them on the idea of Jalen Brown, a, a kid who went to Cal, a very, you know, philosophical, philosophical, thoughtful young guy who could really make a difference in the Portland community, pair him with Dame Lillard, a good one-two punch. Like, and in return, the Celtics get Simons and a third pick. Are you fucking kidding? Like, think about that for a second, right? Even if it's Brandon Miller, it's basically you just reset the deck with Tatum and another win. Now you're taking a risk, just like the Bucks would be. But to me... That's a risk that I think is almost better for Boston. And it's a complete nightmare for all of us. I don't think James Harden is, will be available. Like, I don't think he's a sign and trade for Philly. I don't think we have to worry about Philadelphia. You could maybe think about it if you're Cleveland. Knicks, probably not. I don't think the Knicks have enough to be like Randall and Barrett. I don't, that's too much money probably. But uh, yeah, I, be in, it would be certainly interesting to see who gets involved here. And if I, I don't think it, the only one that it gets nightmare fuel is Boston. That's the one that scares the shit out of me. And I, if I was Portland and you want to build around Dame Lillard, that would be my target, Jalen Brown, 100%. But could you afford Jalen Brown? That's, I guess the, that's the question. Because that, that would be the only thing that I'd be like, well, if he's owed a Supermax and Lillard already has a Supermax, Aren't you in the same position as you are in Boston? I don't know. That, see, the new CBA, man, is just, it's tough. It's tough. And maybe that's why the Bucks sell on, on Holiday. Sell if it's like, it's between Brown or Holiday. Holiday is obviously a little older, but you could sell them on the idea of like, look, you're off this contract in two years. And Drew's as good of a guy as Jalen Brown. Like, not that we're debating who's, who's a better dude. But still, you get my point. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll see if anything comes of it, right? We'll see if the Blazers get what they want. I think that's the other part. It, are they going to get that talented player that works, that makes sense, that they can sell to the fan base, that they're giving up Brandon Miller, likely? Because I think the Hornets are drafting Scoot Henderson. If anything, I think this tells us that Scoot's not there at three. It would be a colossal mistake if the Hornets went with Brandon Miller. Or went with somebody else, and it just went rogue, and they're in a, their own identity crisis, right? But Brandon Miller has some significant allegations against him. They're already dealing with the Miles Bridges stuff. There's no reason to take Brandon Miller there. Yes, Scoot and Lamel might not work, but why are you catering on uh, Lonzo? Oh, is it Lamel? Yeah, it's Lamel. <laughs> it's like which ball brother again? Uh, but no, I mean, why cater to Lamelo? I mean, are we sure Lamelo is like a superstar? He's cool on TikTok, but are, are we sure like he's an actual superstar that you build around? I don't know. 
maybe that's the, the other move. Maybe Charlotte then moves LaMelo for, you know, picks and things like that. And all of a sudden they're back in the first round and they're, they're building a young core of, you know, Mark Williams last year. And you had Scoot Henderson, Bridges, yes, comes back. P.J. Washington, like it's an interesting little roster. Um, and, and even without Melo. So it would be interesting to see if they, they do something like that. But yeah, I think the Portland moving off the third is that they don't want to deal with Brandon Miller's bullshit. And yeah, there's been a lot of bad reports on Miller and we'll see you know if more come out. But I think the Bucks have a culture with Giannis Antetokounmpo, with Adrian Griffin, the city of Milwaukee being a sleepier place than like a New York or Miami or something else where Brandon Miller can get himself into a lot of trouble, LA. Um, he, he'll he be fine in Milwaukee. And, and I think under the tutelage of Antetokounmpo, I think would really matter. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see if, if it actually comes to fruition, but I definitely think the Bucks should be at the table. Let's talk a little bit about Charles Lee uh, going to the Boston Celtics. Uh, Charles Lee was the former Milwaukee Bucks lead assistant. He will now be taking, I don't know if it's lead assistant because I think Sam Cassell is getting that, but he will be one of the top assistants for Joe Mazzula uh, in Boston. Should we care? I I don't really think so. Uh, I know that might sound crass. That might sound like, oh, you're being a meatball sports fan here. But I don't know how much it really truly matters. The schemes will probably not look the same. You know, Charles Lee can tell about, you know, Giannis's likes and dislikes on the court and what frustrates him and what how he really succeeds and what you have to do. But this gener- this season of Giannis could be totally different, right? Because you're under a brand new coach and Adrian Griffin. Griffin could have him trying things. Griffin could have him doing different, you know, things on the basketball court that he wasn't doing under Mike Boonholz. They could be running systems that Lee has no idea about. So yeah, there could be certain tendencies or like, yeah, he hated when Rob Williams was on him, just using an example. And so it's like, all right, we're going to load up on Rob Williams. But to me, like, this is not some seismic move. This is not something that immediately makes me think, oh yeah, the Bucks are in big trouble because Charles Lee is over there. Like good for Charles Lee for getting in another assistant job, but it seems like Charles Lee's agent was doing a ton of work to get him like, oh yeah, he's talking to Detroit, he's talking to Houston. And again, we, we saw, I think it was Jim Orowski that had the report about like the Zoom meetings with like the hour Zoom casual meetings. Like that to me is what Charles Lee was taking with a lot of these programs. And getting a job at Boston is obviously a step in the right direction, right? Like that only will help you in terms of coaching candidacy. But at the same time, it's not necessarily this like, oh, this, oh my, here comes Boston. That I saw, I forget it was Maddox, because Maddox is a Boston homer. I like Chris Maddox, but he, you know, just, he is. They call it like I see it. And I think he works for NBC, NBC Boston. So he kind of has a little bit of a cachet to be a homer, but said like, Oh yeah, this is this is a far cry from what they had. This really builds up their bench. I don't know. Did Charles Lee really make a difference in what the Bucks did? The Bucks took a step back, probably not having Darvin Ham on the bench. I've said it a few times, but remember the Bobby Portis tweet. Bobby Portis said we didn't. No one knew how much we lost when D Ham left the bench. So if he's saying that, that means that Charles Lee wasn't doing his job. So what's to say Charles Lee will do it in Boston? 
Now he's getting a little older, getting a little smarter. Maybe he brings some bud tendencies to Boston. But it's, it, it'll be very interesting to see if it has any impact on the Bucks celtics rivalry. I think, you know, coaches get jobs, get money. It's clear Bucks didn't want Charles Lee. Um, and that's that's okay. They they obviously have built their staff and they've you know they've kept the guys they've wanted to. Josh Oppenheimer, uh, Finn Baker both kept their jobs as Bucks coaches. Uh, they added Terry Stotts as, as we know and Patrick Matumbo. Uh, they, I think they added somebody else, didn't they? Oh, Joe Prunty. And yeah, and a lot of Giannis guys, by the way. Just little little food for thought there. Uh, because that's probably it's probably correlated. Um, they they've given they've given a decent amount of the keys to Mr. Antetokounmpo, who is with Adrian Griffin in Greece, which is awesome. Uh, watching the Greek League final, uh, which is really cool, and love that shit. Like that's that's the type of stuff that gets gets my blood pumping a little bit. I'll be I'll be honest with you because that that shows that there is already a connection, whether it's started or it's building. Uh, it's really cool, and that's a it's a good first step. Uh, with the player and the coach and hopefully it only continues and uh, they continue to foster those good relationships all right let's wrap it up with this weekend recap thing that i do not have a name for um you could do like a weekend keg ratings and like honestly none of these are like bad things so even maybe it's better when there are bad things uh to talk about but yeah i mean i guess we could do we could call it weekend keg ratings for now uh, if you have a better better title, uh, you know where to find me on social. Tab the keg on Twitter, Tab the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, I only have three things that were on my mind. I mean, I could add more, um, but the only other thing that I had that wouldn't have made the cut is the Badgers got a bunch of new football recruits for 2024, uh, and they've been recruiting their ass off. And in, in you know, credit to them, and but I also I'm not deep in the college recruiting scene. A little bit with basketball, like Connie Knipple of Wisconsin Lutheran is said to make a decision soon enough, um, who's big, big time stud out of Wisconsin Lutheran, choosing between Marquette and Wisconsin and others. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that lands. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not deep in the recruiting world to tell you, oh yeah, they landed a monster here or anything like that. And, and when they do land a monster, you know, I hear it from my Badger fan friends or, you know, people people inform me. Uh, but yeah, so that did not make the cut. Uh, but if we're doing three kegs, so the best thing I felt like on the weekend, besides the things we've talked about, uh, would be the Madison Mallards, uh, staying in Madison. They're having a 67 ounce duck boot. That's like a DOS boot, but it's a duck boot. Uh, they're the Mallards, obviously. They also have the duck blind, which is a place you go and you just get hammered, apparently. But 67 ounces of beer is a lot of fucking beer. That's incredibly awesome. I'm all in on the idea. I'm all for it. Um, I I feel like maybe a road trip. Maybe we need to get to Madison. We need to do a couple boots. We need to talk about you know our experience with the boot. Uh, you know that's that's the type of shit where if we were doing this thing five or six years ago, seven years ago, we'd be out. I, I mean, there would be different little things planned all summer. And that would definitely be, definitely be one uh, because it's, it's worth checking out. It's worth seeing, A, how do you feel after that? Uh, because it, it's a lot of beer, right? That's like four beers. I was going to do the math on that because uh, it's 67. 
So I'm sure it's spaced out if I do a 12 ounce beer here. Let's do simple math. That's not, that doesn't equal. It's about five and a half beers. So that's, I mean, that'll get you good, good and drunk. You're, you're feeling that shit after, you know, five and a half beers. But here's my, here's my big question. How, like, how do you drink that and not have it get warm? Like we at the Cincinnati uh, Great American Ballpark, they had 25 ounce Michelob Ultras and, and it was like 94 out there. And I was able to drink them at a pretty solid pace. But, that, but that's like 67, like A, that's big. Like I, I saw the pictures online and they, it didn't look that big, but I have to think it's a fucking massive boot. And then you're drinking that and man, that, you know, that's raised a lot of questions. Is it, and also is it like, is it only available for certain, at certain times? Like, is it something where you have to get it at the start of the game? Like you, you would have to get it at the start of the game. Like, I, I don't think there's any way you could get that at like the fifth inning and be all right and be, <laughs> be ready to, ready to fucking roll. Uh, because that's, that, that's a lot of beer, man. It's a lot of beer. Get your, the world's first duck boot at the duck pond this season. Did someone ask if it could be ordered online? Um, and they said, not yet, coming soon. But it, it's just a, it's a genius, genius idea. So I am, I'm all fired up. Oh, I love, I love this. So I, I started weeding down the quote tweets. Why would someone think it's a good idea to let someone purchase five and a half beers to drink at one time without getting up? That's asking someone to chug five beers around, uh, uh, around families before they get warm. Please rethink this. Liz is fucking fun at parties. Let me tell you that that's, <laughs> that, that's bad. Um, I'm trying to think, see if we have any, any good, any good things. Cause I said, my God, it's beautiful. Someone asked if they could get two. Um, I very rarely ever drink, but this thing looks amazing. That would be, that'd be bad. If you're like not a drinker and you're trying to drink that, um, that that's probably going to end poorly for you. Would not, would not recommend that. Um, if, if that were the case comes with a free DUI on the side. Yeah. Do not drive. If you're, uh, if you're there, um, this is actually not a bad segment. Go through the quote tweets. Cause yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, also you'd have to be tactical on what beer you're drinking. Like that's a Miller Lite or, or Michelob Ultra or something like that. It's not something heavy. Like you're not putting a hazy IPA in there. You're not putting a German like Dunkel in there. Like no fucking way. You're doing light ass beer. I, I still remember a uh, quick story here. Uh, as a, as we're we're free balling on on our first topic, we're I'm rooting this segment by just freestyling on on number one. Uh, my buddy Doze had his bachelor party. God, I think it was 2019, 2018. Uh, and we were in uh, Chicago. Big, and he loves German beer. Loves the the culture of it, the whole thing. And we had these awesome burgers. They're sloppy. They're so good though. Uh, and and we all overate. At least I did. I don't know about it. I can't speak for everybody else, but I overate that night. We go to a German beer hall after it and tried to put down German beer. And I had a little, but my God, I was dead. I was like, get me, roll me the fuck out of here because I can't do it. 
And so that's just like a word to the wise when you're doing that boot. Like you got to go light beer on it. So anyways, uh, that is my three keg. My two keg is just Brady Street in general. I was out on Brady Street on Saturday night. Uh, first time I've been out on Brady Street on a summer Saturday in God knows how long. I had just a great time. Like we just had so much fun. Uh, Jack's, you know, good good vibes as always. Uh, just a great place to just pound beers, watch sports, hang out. Food's solid enough, right, to build a base. Club Brady was probably the best I've ever seen Club Brady. Uh, great vibes there. They're usually sometimes vibes aren't the best. Uh, but that, you know, it helps when, you know, you have happy bartenders. I'll just leave it at that. I, there's a whole, like, Club Brady rant I could do. Uh, but, yeah, not not – Typically my favorite place, but I had a great time there. I, I can't see nothing else. Then we went to visit Shea Ken at Sophie. He did a great job. He was killing it. We actually ended up getting a table, which like if you know how Sophie works is they don't like assign tables. You just get them, right? You don't want to get bottle service or anything. And just But we ended up getting a table. It was great. Fucking awesome time, man. It was out way too late. Um, I think I didn't get home until like 1.30. Uh, and, but yeah, man, Brady Street in the summer, it's hard to beat. And especially when you just catch it on a good night and we caught it on a good night and that that was super exciting uh probably be down in the area again next saturday for summer solstice uh but yeah it's it's a good little good little stretch good little run then summer fest here uh right around the corner and one keg uh steve stricker coverage i, I don't know does anyone really care that steve stricker won the senior pga or the champions league thing or champions tour in madison can't talk uh I, I saw Bart Winkler kind of going off about this, and I, I have to agree. Uh, there's nothing that I really that is really that great about it. It's cool he won in Madison. It's, it's his, you know, he hosts it. It's his event. He works with AmFam on it. That's great. Like excited for him. But I can't tell you I had one ounce of interest. Senior golf doesn't really do much for me. Uh, senior golf's probably last on the totem pole. It's probably PGA. Uh, Liv is probably on the lowest end. So it's probably PGA, Women's Golf, Champions Tour, Liv. And Liv, I, I probably could flip on a couple couple round, you know, final holes of Liv if it was getting good. But I don't, sometimes I don't need that, that much golf. I've already watched enough golf. I really don't need to watch the end of Liv. And I also lost the Tommy Fleetwood outright bet on a 70-foot eagle. I was like, oh my God, what a pot. I'm like, oh, well, that was about a $90 difference, whatever. That does it for today's show. Um, I don't know how we felt about that last segment. You let me know. Um, we'll, we'll, it's a work in progress. Back tomorrow, uh, we're going to do Packers to start, and we'll see what else. Um, and then we'll take off Wednesday, and then Mitch and I back in the saddle Thursday probably, and then a Friday show. So that, that'll, be, that'll be the schedule. I think that's kind of going to be the schedule going forward, by the way. I think I finally figured out, you know, what day works the best on, on that type of thing. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. Hope it starts well. And we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.